Creating conversations that start new conversations. Arrow.net, A-R-R-O-E.net. Let's do it. Let's play it forward. These are real people, real stories. The struggle to play it forward. Episode number 507 is with film critic Tiber. I am doing well, Arrow. How are you? Is that you in the picture? It is. It's it's one of those little radio shots where they were looking for something unique that listeners might want to wrap their hands around. Mm-hmm. Got it. <laughs> Looks good. Hey, do you feel like that we're ambassadors to Hollywood right now? Because there's still a lot of people that aren't making their way into theaters, but the two of us in our own way and shape are, are doing everything we can to put people, put, basically to put butts in the seats. Um, yes, I feel like, you know, when the movies are good, absolutely. I want to get people out to see them. And when there's a movie that's a crowd pleaser that gets that feeling when you are that's so rare nowadays with, with, with streaming. We're all stuck at home with a pandemic and with streaming channels where you're in a crowded movie theater, masks on if, you, if, if, uh, if that's what you believe is appropriate, and everybody's just grooving on the movie. And you just get that sense of not just your own individual reaction, but a group reaction that's somehow bigger than, you know, than, than one person. Um, you, you can feel it in a horror movie. You can feel it in a comedy. Um, I just saw Bros, the Billy Eichner movie yeah. at the... Toronto Film Festival, um, gay romantic comedy that, you know, is like built on the bones of every, you know, Harry Met Sally movie, but <laughs> with an ironic twist. And seeing that in a full theater with an audience was just a complete trip uh, because it's really, really funny. Judd, Judd Apatow produced it. Um, it's got a really smart script uh, by, by Eichner. It's just like the jokes just keep coming. Yeah. Boom, 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 boom. And you can just hear the audience just rolling on that wave of comedy. That's a great feeling. You don't get that at home. This would be a totally different movie at home. Wait, there, there are like two different personalities that we are these days because we will accept a, a, a great binge watch that's 12 or 15 episodes old. But the thing is, though, is that when you go to Amsterdam and I'm seeing that it's coming in at 2.15. I sat there in the theater going, come on, come on. <laughs> well, you know, that's the, that to a certain point is the problem of the movie because if it's a really good movie, you know, it, it'll pass. You know, you know who Harry Cohn was? He ran um, mm-hmm. uh, Universal Pictures uh, way back in the day. Um, and uh, he always said that he could tell that a movie was bad because his butt itched. Um, <laughs> and, and, and Red Skelton famously had said, imagine that all of Hollywood is wired to Harry Cohn's ass. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but you, you know, you, you can start twitching around in your seat if a movie is not doing it for you, if it's mm-hmm. taking you out of the film. But if it's really good, it can be three hours long and you will be riveted but you're right tv shows binge tv shows have a different sort of chronology to them um during the pandemic and in this time of political turmoil where we don't know what's going to happen next where we want something that'll just get us through the week so you get a you know a show like the bear or bad sisters which my wife and i are currently watching and you know there's going to be you know you watch an episode or two tonight you know there'll be something you can watch tomorrow and maybe through the week and you don't have to worry about picking something the next day it gets you get especially with all these streaming platforms and all of this content you get you know, you get anxiety, you get choosing anxiety, mm-hmm. you get programming anxiety. Um, and ha- having a, a TV show that you can rely on kind of gets rid of that. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I don't want another Star Wars movie. I'm okay with The Mandalorian and with <laughs> Obi-Wan. And, 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 and I'm, a, I'm having a tough time with Andor, but, but I, I think I'm going to make it through. Well, you know, I find that interesting because Hollywood, the major studios now 
almost completely rely on what I call IP films, intellectual property films, franchise films. So yep. they're going to keep throwing Star Wars at you. They're going to keep throwing another Fast and Furious at you. If they can figure out a way to resuscitate Harry Potter, you know, the middle age <laughs> years, they're going to do it for you. They don't. They're scared of original ideas because audiences don't want to see them mm -hmm. um, because they, you know, they have found through their focus research that audiences want something that they, you know, know that they, they want to know what they're getting into before they get into it, which is why something like Top Gun 2 was partly a huge success. It was a good movie, yeah. but it was also, you know, just everybody knew what they were going to get. Um, the original stuff, the stuff we used to call dramas and comedies and thrillers and, you know, suspense films, um, even musicals, those are all on TV now. Those, you know, they get made, but if they make it to theaters, they make it to the independent theaters, the little art house theaters, and then go straight to streaming. All right, we're both movie fans. We also see that theaters have got to be like bowling alleys. They've got to evolve and they've got to make it fun. Yep. Um, I, I recently did the 4D. I lasted 30 seconds. I just couldn't do it. Have you gone through the experience yet? Of, of what? 4D? 4D theater where the, theater where the seats move and they shoot water at you and there's wind and, and everything like that. And, and oh, I'm not going anywhere near that. Oh, I, well, oh, I'm sorry. I, I lasted 30 <laughs> seconds. I mean, I had to get out of there. <laughs> I mean, if I, if, I want to, if I want to go to a theme park ride, I'll go to a theme yeah. park ride. But, you, know, <laughs> um, I, you know, again, I mean, that goes back to the 50s. There was a guy named William Castle who used to have gimmicks like Emerjo where a skeleton would come out on a little guy wire and oh sort of God. sail through the audience. <laughs> Um, and he did one called, for a movie called The Tingler, where he actually wired the seats for electric shocks. Oh my God! So you'd get a little, you'd, you know, nothing obviously fatal, but you'd get a little. Zzz. Um, <laughs> I mean, the, the, they're going to do anything to try and get you back in the seats, and in this case, shock you out of them. Um, but the movie's got it's got it's got to come down to the movie. Yeah. You got to be, you know, entertained. If 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 it's not a good experience. The water in the face and the wind is just going to be ridiculous. Yep. Ron Howard with 13, and we've also got Blonde, which just recently came out. Um, I, I love them on the flat screen, but I, I but I, I was blessed with the opportunity to see the Ron Howard film on, on the screen. But Blonde, mm -hmm. I, 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 I don't get to see it on the big screen. I, I think it needs to be up there. Uh, well, <laughs> I have an issue with that movie. I don't think it's a very good movie, and, and I especially wouldn't want a 4D treatment. No, because <laughs> um, there are some shots in there um, of certain bodily orifices that you don't want to see right, in 4D. Right. Um, that is, you know, but you're absolutely right. That is a movie, and it did. Blonde has and is playing select theaters in the, you know, like the major cities, mm -hmm. only so Netflix can get some Oscar nominations yep, yep. for it. That's the only reason it's there. But it's being fully rolled out on Netflix, which, uh, uh, you know, in the case of that movie, that's such a audience unfriendly movie. That yep. is a movie directed by a guy named Andrew Dominic. I stick up for his right to make any movie he wants, but this is one that is if you are remotely a fan of Marilyn Monroe, you will hate this movie. Mm -hmm. um, and so I kind of question Netflix's, um, you know, uh, uh, programming choices there. But, but I will also, to your point, say that this Blonde is a movie that is brilliantly put together, very, you know, a beautifully shot, edited. It is a big screen. It, it would be overwhelming on a big screen. Personally, I don't think it would in a, in a good way. Right. Um, but clearly, that's what the filmmaker is thinking about. And I will say that filmmakers, generally speaking, the ones I've read about and talked to, are unhappy with this new world where they make a movie and 
it won't go to the theaters. They won't, yeah. won't be seen on a big screen. Yeah. It'll, you know, go straight to streaming or it'll just pop into theaters and pop out. Yeah. So teaching film criticism in a world where it's no longer about the critics, it's about the influencers. It seems like the influencers are the ones that are being invited to the special screenings. That's not true. The, the critics are still, you know, working critics, professional, you know, movie reviewers yeah. are still being invited. But the influences are because it's marketing. It's, yeah. it's, you know, the marketing department sets up those screenings. They invite the critics and tolerate them because they know they get the word out, um, bad or good. Um, but the influencers are actually the marketing department's dream because they aren't necessarily necessarily critical. They don't approach it. And by critical, I don't mean negative. Um, I, I promote critical thinking about popular culture. It's not bad to think about what works, what doesn't, and why. Um, and and it's also perfectly fine to go in with a critical mindset and have a great deal of fun yeah. um, with an entertainment movie. And it's not about, you know, sitting there with an ascot and a cigarette holder and, and frowning <laughs> at the screen. Um, Quite the concept, quite, quite the contrary. Everybody I know who's in this business, and I know most of my fellow critics, we do it because we love movies. Yep. We always love movies. We fell in love with them as kids or as teenagers. Um, and when we find a movie we love, we are so happy to tell people about it. That's the best thing in the world. Influencers, um, you know, my feeling about them is to one degree or another, they're bought and paid for. Um, they are answering to um, to whoever is, in some cases, giving them free stuff or paying them. Yep. Um, and, and they get a free ride to the, to the junkets. Um, and so they are uh, inclined to be supportive and positive toward a film in a way that um, a working reviewer doesn't have to worry about. Let's talk about Nope. I, I think that they're, they're going to get a nod somewhere because it was creative in its own special Jordan Peele way. But the problem is I, I went there to see the the way that Jordan did, you know, those those thriller chillers. But I, I walked out thinking, no, that was just another episode of Twilight Zone. Hmm. Interesting. I enjoyed that movie um, because I felt it was Jordan Peele saying, I'm going to make my own um Close Encounters of the Third Kind, <laughs> yeah. um, but I'm gonna make it for I'm gonna make it with and for black people, um, and with just with and by that I mean not just putting black people in the film, but with an attitude slightly outside of. So it's not just Richard Dreyfus looking up at the sky and going, "Holy cow, it's the aliens!" It's like, okay, what do these guys want from me? What are they going to do to me? Um, I'm going to stand back here and wait till I see what's going on. And, and, and if they get real with me, I'm going to get real with them. Um, <laughs> and I appreciated that. Uh, I, I still think um, Get Out is the, the one of his That's that it. just hits on all cylinders. But I love seeing him develop. Um, and, you know, I don't think he's made a bad movie yet, um, which is remarkable because usually – first-time directors come out on their second swing and can miss yeah, badly. Yeah. Um, I don't think, um, you know, I don't think he's he's hit on the level that, that the first one did, but I love watching him try. I think he's got a better bagging average than M. Night Shyamalan, for one thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, I keep waiting for him to come up with that next brilliant film. But the thing is, though, that I love about him is the fact that I won't give up on him. I see his <laughs> name on a movie, and I, I show up no matter what. Really, even for the, the Avatar uh, adaptation where his name was barely on it. Yeah, it, um, yeah there, there's just you just know he's got that vibe about him. Mm-hmm. Right, and we want the big reveal. Mm -hmm. uh, we want the surprise, and and he's you know. I do appreciate, I think he's made some terrible movies. I think he's made some great movies. And I love the fact that he's still making them. He's mm -hmm. still, you know, um, he's still trying. Because uh, 
the worst thing that would happen is that a creative um, visionary, I'll say it like him, just gives up and goes away. Yeah. You know, you need those ideas. You need those stories, um, especially now when we're all sort of cocooned at home, um, you know, binging on different platforms yeah. don't you think that in and and I just only because I, I i work so closely with different movie theaters is the fact that i'm i'm seeing that people accept bad like they do in restaurants or bad service at a grocery store they, they it's like they come out going eh, it's a b movie i'm going you weren't you're not you're not angry that they didn't do better eh, it's a b movie <laughs> Well, I think one of the reasons that the theatrical business, the exhibition business is struggling is that um, it costs so much between the tickets and the food, mm -hmm. which is where the theaters make most of their money because the studios take most of the ticket cost. Um, and if you've got a bunch of kids, you know, it's over a hundred bucks for an evening's yes, entertainment. Yes, it is. Yep. And, and the movie had better be good. Um, so I, if you come out and you're meh or even worse, that was terrible. Um, you're inclined to not do it again. Um, so mm. I do think that they need to work on the um, the pricing issue. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that I will say, you know, the dirty little secret about a lot of movie theaters is that their um, presentation is not what it should be. The projection, the sound, mm -hmm. the average projection and sound in, in, in your average multiplex theater is often shockingly uh, poor. And I've reported on this in the past in the Boston area um, to the point where, honestly, if you have a big screen TV and a, and a decent sound system, you may be seeing a better picture yeah. and sound, getting a better experience than you do in the theaters. And again, I think this could be fixed. Um, and so I, I'm kind of confused as to why it isn't more of an issue than it is for the for the management. Speak, speaking of those experiences and stuff like that, somewhere along the line in the Oscars or even in the Golden Globes, they've, they've got to come up with a, an award for these beautiful concerts that IMAX is doing with the question and answer periods and stuff like that. I, I, I saw Kanye West and I saw my theater just, just explode with fun mm. and excitement. Yeah, yeah, I think... I, I love the idea that the that theaters have run with in the past, you know, five, ten years now, that they can do live events, not just uh, concerts, but theater. Um, yes. My wife and I go see live theater from, from London all the time. Um, that, to me, is a really legitimate expansion of what a theater can do and really brings, for one thing, it appeals to different audiences. It's bringing different audiences into your theater. Um, for another thing, it... it, it brings a level of excitement when you see something live um you know it's unpredictable and there's an extra sort of like just edge of excitement to that um i would love to see more of that i would love to see more artists musical artists take advantage of that um that's the way to bring back the theater as as the the commons mm -hmm. that's sort of the public commons that that you know it once was certainly in for the bulk of the 20th century you know people be you know before especially before the rise of tv people would go see two three four movies a week that's it. um and, um, you know, we're never going to get back there, but it would be nice to uh, create that sense of, oh, I'm going to the theater to have have a real experience with with a crowd. Well, I said at the very beginning, you are an ambassador to Hollywood and, and you, you proved it. And I would love to have you back on this show anytime in the future, Mr. Tiber. Thank you, Errol. I would love to be back. Absolutely. You'd be brilliant talking with everybody today because you, you, you've got the ticket to get everybody back in those seats. Thanks. Well, that's what I'm trying to write about in my newsletter um, is just, you know, how to where to find the good movies, both in theaters and on streaming. I love it. That's a job. That's a job, mister. You're a busy guy. <laughs> Have fun today, sir. You as well. Thank you.